Okay, here we go. We're recording. This is our first episode. We've got Nick Stewart on the phone. Hello. Hello. How are you? Yeah, good. And uh, and me, Tim Rood. Um, so this is our podcast. It's our very first one. It's called Off Air. Um, we're two breakfast radio hosts, and um, we wanted to make a podcast for all the stuff, all the shit that we can't say on air. Um, it's a news and pop culture podcast where we pick our top three topics and we talk about them. Uh, I mean, it's a wildly unique idea, Tim. <laughs> I'm, I'm blown away by the originality of it all. But I, I mean, I think we love the fact that we chat to each other every single week. With and f- I love talking with you. And uh, you said I could come on and do absolutely nothing. I'm currently walking around my house. And uh, yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so a bit of the backstory is um, Nick, uh, we were speaking about this the other day and I said I want to make this podcast and Nick's main concern was he didn't want to do any work. Yeah. <laughs> like a full stop. I th- It was a fairly strong leveraging point to come in on. <laughs> he said, <laughs> I don't want to, I already do this for work every day, so I don't want to have to do any more of that. And I said, I think the bargain was... Okay, how about I'll just call you and I'll come up with the topics. <laughs> so this isn't even our top three stories. These are my top three stories that I want to talk about with you. Well, you're a smart guy and I'm excited to hear them. Should we say quickly how we know each other, by the way? Because I think that might be a question that people have. Because um, So I'm in, I uh, work at a radio station in Bendigo. You work in, where are you now? Toowoomba? Uh, yeah, based in Toowoomba across a few radio, radio stations across the region. So, I mean, we met in, what, about four years ago? Four yeah. or five years ago? Four in, years ago. Um, in Townsville. Townsville. And there was a whole bunch of radio people there. It was a really weird situation, and we immediately bonded and got on like our on fire. Well, because we were sharing, so it was my first ever radio gig was a six-week, like, cover job covering your show which was, which uh, you hadn't hadn't started yet. You hadn't started. You hadn't moved. You had to move to Townsville to do it. And basically they got me there first. So my job was to do your show and get people ready for you to come and do your show. It was a weird, yeah, you were like the warm-up guy for Letterman. Yeah. You you came out and did some really big A material to pump up the crowd. And then... (laughs) I on my literally on my first date. I still remember this. There was a fantastic moment uh, where I, me and my co-host were doing what you call a break, where you talk in between the songs, and we we're like, finally, we're doing a good one. And you just you can feel when it's good. And we got about two and a half minutes in, and you were sitting in the studio, and you tapped me on the shoulder and pointed at the microphone. <laughs> and to this day, to this day, I want to point out, I have absolutely no idea why you didn't speak because the microphones were not on <laughs> and you still mind that the microphones were not on the whole time. <laughs> because you were, you had more, I don't know. I was scared. I was nervous. Well, it was my first ever radio job and you'd been working in radio for a long time. So I was like, all right, the big guys are here. <laughs> and, then you, and then I was sitting in on your first show and I was like, I don't want to tell these guys who know way more about radio than me that they, haven't turned the mics on. Well, you made some great errors that day, Tim Rubin. Anyway, we've, we've been friends since. We're going to do three stories that I choose. Should we get started? Yep, I'm excited. Let's do it. Okay, story number one. Nicolas Cage set to play Joe Exotic in Tiger King TV show. They're making a TV show of Tiger King. What do you think, mate? 
I can I have never heard of a better marriage of two actors. I was so excited when I heard this this morning. You've got the storyline and Joe Exotic, he is a character in himself and he's so weird. And then you're mixing it with arguably the weirdest actor of the past 25 years. And I got to tell you, Face Off uh, is one of my favourite movies of mm. all time. Uh, and and he, I mean, the guy is just a freak. Like, do you know any of the Nicolas Cage backstory at all? No. What is? I just know that he's an actor. Is his dad a famous actor as well? That's all that... Uh, it's not. It's his grandfather. And I'm pretty sure he's a coppola. So I'm pretty sure his grandfather is Francis Ford Coppola. Um, I don't know who that is. Even uh, The Godfather. Oh, okay. He directed The Godfather uh, 1, 2... Pretty sure he directed The Godfather 3, too, which is an atrocity. Okay. And and so from there, he comes from this fam- famous family. He's gone with Nicolas Cage. He's gotten super famous super early with some, like, bold acting choices and been in some big stuff courtesy of his family. And then he's just gone totally off the rails for essentially the entire mid to late 90s. He's, he's got weird stuff like he owns a what? pyramid in New Mexico where he's going to be buried. Are you, is this real? Is this real? Yeah, this is, this is Googleable stuff. I'm not making any of this up. Nicholas Cage is fucking insane. Like, he is... Really? He is, he is the Joe... Like, if you were doing comparisons, you yeah. know, if you compare athletes across... Uh-huh. Like, if you were doing comparisons, Nicholas Cage already is the Joe Exotic of the acting world. Wow. I didn't know that he was so nuts. I just thought it was an interesting choice because his last movies of all his, his movie choices are terrible. He yeah, did like The Wicker Man. Yeah, or um, <laughs> Skull Flame Rider. What's the movie? Yeah. Oh, Death I don't know. Rider. Death Rider. He anyway. rides a motorbike and he's a superhero, but it doesn't make any sense. So, um, yeah. So Nicolas Cage, he's been locked in. Um, they're going to make an eight-episode series by CBS is a part of it. And they're still shopping it around. They don't know where it's going to be yet. I'm guessing that Netflix is going to try and buy it uh, just because Netflix had had uh, Tiger King originally. Mm. Um, can I put it out there? I, th- I don't think anyone's going to care. By the time this show gets made, I think they've already missed the boat. It depends on the cast. And I think, but I think what, everyone we've already on the seen... wants to see Nicolas Cage as... I mean, the problem with the problem I see with a miniseries mm. is, in real life, do you think that Carol Baskin and Joe Exotic were ever in the same room together, even once in the entire thirty-five year stretch of no. them both owning tigers? No, I don't think they've ever actually met face to face. I don't think. Why? Yeah. So you, well, you come from an acting background, okay, yeah. and you and you have a background in you know creating things like that. Yeah. How can you make something interesting? if your two main protagonists literally never meet? Like, what is the movie or TV show where that well, happens? I can actually tell. So they based it on, um, there is an article in Texas Monthly, um, and that's what they're basing the series on. And it basically just goes over all the things that were in the Tiger King show. So they're basically just remaking the show, but with Nicolas Cage and I don't know who. And I am still 100% going to walk. <laughs> By the way, I can't believe you're out on this as a concept. <laughs> I, I don't think people are going to care. I, uh, to be honest, I've really thought about this. I think that Tiger King won. Tiger King got, like, the lottery of TV show release dates. And I think mm. that it had nothing to... Like, Tiger, show, Tiger King is not a good show. 
Tiger I've got to be oh look, it's a slow burn, but I've got to be honest with you. Even so, the big doco out at the moment is The Last Dance, and it's yeah. become the most most streamed yeah. doco on Netflix, and blah 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 blah. And it's a real documentary as well. Like oh, you actually learn something from it. <laughs> you learn shitloads in Tiger King. You learn nothing. I sat down and I and you know I am obsessed with basketball and obsessed with yeah. the NBA yeah. and obsessed with nineties culture. This should be the pinnacle for me. Yeah. After watching an hour and a half of the first two episodes of the last um dance. Of the last dance. I looked at my, yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked at my fiance Jazz and said to her, Well, that could have done with more tigers and mess. <laughs> like that's how that's it was like the crack of documentaries. I don't, I don't even think, I feel insulted. Like, I think that David Attenborough, who makes real documentaries, is probably insulted that they call Tiger King a doc. Like, what makes it a documentary, firstly? Because you don't learn anything from it. I think it's a reality show. I think it's a reality show. Like, you don't learn about the Tigers. It's a re- no. It's a reality show about crack addict <laughs> people <laughs> who happen to own weird pets. Yeah, but do you think the people that came up with the concept for Big Brother are stoked with Married at First Sight? (laughs) Or the people that came up with the concept of marriage? I mean, TV in general has gone to, like, complete trash. So why wouldn't you just embrace it? Like, I found it... No, no, well, I did... I found it enjoyable at the time, but I think it's because it was, like, the first week where we had kind of just gone into lockdown as a... Like, as a nation, definitely. And people were... I think there was something magical about... The world was in a crazy place. And I think that there was really something magical about being able to go home if you were still working or just be at home, turn on the TV and see something more fucked than your own life. (laughs) Yes. And and then imagine Nicolas Cage (laughs) portraying that. Something I'm I'm imagining some sort of like... Christopher Nolan esque, or or what I would well, really like dark. Like to see. He's going to be like a dark yeah, and gritty like remake. I would, yeah, I would. I, I think that have you, if you've seen, have you seen uh, Uncut Gems and yeah, uh, like with Adam Sandler. The, yeah, yeah. So the Sackie Brothers. That's who I'm thinking of to direct this. Exactly. Brothers direct. You put and I. This wasn't my suggestion. I can't remember who mm. said this to me, but Carol Baskin, Kathy Bates. Lock mm. it in. How good would that be? <laughs> Put her across Nicolas Cage. The funny thing is there's actually, there's, um, this hasn't made the news, but there's actually a second, because there's no rights on making a show about a crazy guy with a tiger. So there's actually a second production racing them. with Kate. Oh, they've got God. Kate McKinnon locked in to play Carol Baskin. Oh, I would have gone Kate McKinnon as Joe Exotic. <laughs> I think that would have been fantastic. Maybe they should do it. I don't know. I don't yeah. think people. I I just don't think people are gonna like. How long is this TV show gonna take? It's gonna take a year to come not out. If Kate, no, not if Kate McKinnon does it and it's clump style. So she literally portrays Plays every character, the in, and then she could bust that out in a month in isolation. <laughs> and I would watch that. That's that's a watchable show. <laughs> Can I ask, how do you feel, where do you sit on the moral thing of Tiger King as well? Like, oh, aside from how entertaining are, it is, what, do, what do you think of it? Every single person in there is horrible. Mm. Like, these are horrible, terrible, soulless, vapid people who mm. were clearly so wrapped up in their own egos that they don't give a shit about tigers. Like, I, I worry about the show, not just about their relationship with the tigers, but like... 
I, I've had so many conversations with people where, where they're like, oh man, I hope Joe Exotic gets out. And it's like, that guy tried to kill someone. Like he, like he attempted to murder somebody. And the fact that Carol Baskin didn't get killed was completely out of his control. Like, yeah. if, if, like he paid somebody to murder someone. So as far as I'm concerned, he is like as guilty as a murderer. And I know that Carol Baskin also potentially murdered somebody, but that doesn't make her for, up for grabs. I think the strongest word in that sentence is potentially. <laughs> I think I'm <laughs> The verdict is almost certainly out there. Do you... But, I mean, it's uh, look, I don't think any of them should be freed. I'm certainly not yeah. the Donald Trump, like, look into it. Let's see if we can get Joe Exotic out. Yeah. But, at the same time, it, it's compelling TV, which is which is all you like. I mean, that's every story, isn't it? There's murder, betrayal. Like yeah, but it's better if it's not. Yeah, but it's better if it's not a real person getting murdered. Yeah, I, I'm okay with it. They're a, they're a long distance from me. <laughs> ultimately, I, I don't. I don't, don't know. Some people are going to be murdered, Tim. At, at least we can look into the the mess and the tigers and the polyamory, and I mean the and that's I, I don't even think the attempted murder is the most questionable no. thing that Joe Exotic did. I mean you've got to add in the rampant drug use, uh, also the fact he was letting his employees eat off meat like that. It's oh, you just glossed into. You just gloss <laughs> One of the least looked into bits of the mm. whole documentary is the 15 minutes where the the circus of meth addicts that he has working for him that he's picked up from prison are rifling through a truck full of off meat that they've oh stolen God. from Walmart. I mean, it's just got little... I think it's going to be... It's sort of like the um, stepbrothers of TV miniseries. Every time you go back and watch it, there's a little mm. extra curve or edge that you can sink your teeth into. I think you're right. Yeah, but I, it paint. Yeah, yeah, but it's terrible. I hate it. I hate it. But I enjoyed it at the. I enjoyed it for what it was for for during my time in lockdown. I don't know. Maybe in a couple of years I'll rewatch it. But you just see, you just you've got such a virtuous heart that you just don't want to admit that you find that level of humanity entertaining. No, I Whereas found I'm it. Like, ent- throw me, throw me in the tiger pit. I just full of mess and let me marry a man. <laughs> hey, as a side note, what did you think about the amount of? We haven't even spoken about the polyamory in it. Mm. What do you think about? There is like a strange correlation between apparently <laughs> owning tigers and having multiple partners in your life. Like three of the main characters. Jeff Lowe, Joe Exotic, and um, and Doc Antle. Like, do, do you think that there's something in that? I I just think you're dealing with people that like to play it fast and loose. <laughs> I mean, they, they're throwing they're throwing a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, they're ready for life. They're ready to embrace it. They want as many experiences yeah. as they can, and if that involves somehow trying to get a bunch of straight guys to marry you. Um, or going to Vegas and just, like, using a tiger to bang a bunch of, you know, like, I don't know who's in Vegas who's banging people with tigers, but or, like, Doc Antle finding these, like, young hippie girls. Like, it's all the same thing. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously the guy that wrote the game really neglected to leave that chapter in. Get a tiger. All you need is a tiger. Get a tiger. just endless pussy. Like, I didn't know that there was a direct... Never And never once in my life... No. To this point, has a girl ever... Have I ever been like, hey, do you want to go home with me at a nightclub? And the girl has gone, well, that all depends on your tiger if situation. You, if you have a tiger. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the whole... It's the whole thing is just a hot mess, but that's even more so why Nicolas Cage is a perfect actor. And I just think that this is going to be an incredible docuseries that everyone's going to watch. It's, it's not... unavoidable because we've all got the hangover of it. I don't know. Okay. Well, we've put it with set in stone. You think it's going to be good. I think no one's going to watch it. We'll see what happens in, I don't know. It's going to cut. It's going to be, it's years away. All right. Should we do story number two? Sure. Okay, story number two. This is a more serious story. Um, and I think you, you probably would have seen this. Have you seen the story about uh, Dean Laidley, who is the uh, AFL coach? He's an ex-coach for the Kangaroos. Yep. And yep. this is the guy who, I mean, very, very huge story. And when I say huge, I don't mean huge like Kim Kardashian. I mean, there's so much to this to pull apart. That I wanted yeah, to take some time. No, I don't know a great deal about this whole thing. So can I ask you some? Because you're definitely you live in Victoria, so you're so probably we talk about a little stuff. bit closer yeah. to this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so can you explain just the brush strokes of how this bloke? Because he's an AFL coach, I believe, or former AFL coach, and how he's found himself in jail in the first place. Yeah. So in a nutshell, Dean Laidley, former AFL coach, um, was arrested over the weekend, um, and he was. Dressed as a woman, he had a dress on, um, uh, a wig, and a face of makeup. He was arrested for stalking, um, and so he was taken into police custody in uh, in Melbourne. And the story has exploded, not because of that, but because um, a senior constable from the police station actually took a photo of him dressed like that in the police station, um, and then sent it on a WhatsApp group to some of his friends. Oh, I didn't know it was on a WhatsApp It was group. a WhatsApp group. I think there were six other people <laughs> oh, in the WhatsApp group. It's then it's then trickled out of the group, and eventually, like, by late Sunday night, it had hit the media. And it's such an interesting story. I should say as well, apparently in the interview, um, he when he was being interviewed by police, he was asking to be referred to as Daniela. So I don't think okay. it's I don't think it's a case of he was just cross dressing. I think he is a trans um gender person. Um but it it just brings up so many questions. So so since this has happened and this is just in the last like twenty four hours, the police officer who sent it um has been suspended and now a second senior constable has also been suspended. And now there's talk that they could be formally charged, um, which they could potentially face up to two years of jail time for doing what they did. Yeah. And look, I think that you've hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of different angles to this story. And there's a, like, if it was a tree, there's a lot of branches. Yeah. I think there's some stuff we can focus on and some stuff we can't focus on and some stuff that we should focus on. What do you think? What are you, what's your, what's your first thought? When you hear well, it. Well, look, I think you could, we could talk for an hour or two hours about the fact that isolation is going to increase cases of domestic violence or stalking or different mm. uh, crimes like this. 
I don't think that that is the most interesting part of this story. That's a tragic part of this story mm. and, and obviously whatever this crime has come from. But the interesting thing is the violation of rights from the police officer, in my opinion, of taking a photo of, of, of this person, whatever state they're in, uh, and then sending it to friends because obviously that's a no-no. Straight off the bat, that's a no-no, regardless of the situation they're in. And and you did brief. We briefly chatted about this about four days ago. And the thing I said to you then was, uh, when I woke up and I saw the headline, who gives a shit if this person is in a dress or not? Yeah. We we have had uh, so long now to wrap our heads around the trans community as, a, as being straight white guys. Yeah. Um, we've had a long time now. With the, I mean, when did I, I guess you'd say Caitlyn Jenner was the forefront of this? And when did that all? I mean, that was over a decade ago now. And when it really came to the head, and I mean, even if you want to go before that as Australia with the gay and lesbian Mardi Gras, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert is one of our most revered movies. So if it was drag, surely we can wrap our heads around that. But it sounds like this person is going through a pretty serious time in their life where A, they've made some really bad decisions, but B, they're they're pretty vulnerable and they don't need that from especially a police officer, and especially, I don't live in Victoria, but you do, and you can probably elaborate on this more, but there is a huge football culture down there. And that and that has inherent questions around masculinity. So for, I don't think that this that the police officer sent that in, into his WhatsApp, being like, oh, poor blah, blah, can looks like put, they're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, look at this bloke in a dress. And why is that the first issue? And why is that worthy of passing on to other people? Yeah. I I think you you want to know who I feel bad for? I I mean, I feel a tiny bit of sadness for Dean Laidley, but at the mm. end of the day, I don't actually feel a huge amount. I think that his rights have been violated, and I think that that's unfair, and I think that that's bad. But also, there's a little part of me that's like, well, you were... I mean, if you hadn't have been stalking a, a woman and like, I, I believe he was breaking an AVO, this allegedly, but if you hadn't have been doing that, then he wouldn't have been in any of this situation in the but first how place. How could you possibly do that, Tim? I mean, they're so airtight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but sorry. <laughs> I feel bad for Dean Laidley, but I, uh, I really feel bad for the trans community who like, this is just not what they need. It's just the worst. Th- it's just going to set them back because this is the this is the conversation that I think that trans people have to either publicly defend or or, or maybe subconsciously defend over and over. And it's the oh, both definitely yeah. And I, I think it's probably bigger in America, but it's it's the I don't want a man dressing as a woman sneaking into a bathroom and doing something to to my girlfriend or my wife or my daughter. And that situation really just doesn't exist. Like if you look at, I don't have the statistics in front of me right now, but I've, I've flicked through them before. And like by far, by far, like times 10, the number of sexual assaults that occur around uh, in, in the Western world, in Australia, I know, and in America as well, the number of sexual assaults or assaults on women are by straight men, not by transgender men. Um, and that's even scalable. Oh, sorry, transgender women. That's even scalable. Um, and I just feel so bad that this story has happened and that this 
this is the thing that all of those conservatives and all of those people who have their head in the sand, this is the thing that they talk about. And now they have ammunition. And now it's something that transgender people are going to have to unfortunately have conversations about. And they shouldn't have to because they don't have to represent the, their entire own community. But, yeah. but the reality is that's, that's what happens in the world. And I just, I just think it sucks for them. I, I really feel for them seeing this story come out. Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head because, long story short, no one should have to speak on behalf of their entire community no. unless you put yourself in it, unless you go and run for office and yeah. become an MP or become a prime minister. Uh, then you should even, in my opinion, even if you're a professional athlete, you, you don't necessarily have to talk for all professional athletes. Like, it's, it's, you're 100% right. And then every headline you see as well, is it's never a good one. Like it's either, uh, you know, a 350-pound weightlifter who had represented Australia, right. you know, in, in, in one category that had gone and, and, and gone through a transition and now wants to – like it's just – you're right, but I don't know how – I don't know how – I don't know how you change that, man. Like if I'm being honest, what, what it, how, did, how no. is that a perceptual change other than – like I mean – there is other than time, really. We need we need time, and we need like we need more trans people. We just need we need <laughs> shitloads more trans people. But you can't push it. Again, we just got we got to make an organic thing, mate. We got to make more. We got to pump them out. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got to make. We got to normalize. Uh, yeah. That's the headline you want. <laughs> it's not like an Uncle Sam with some eyeliner going. We like. Yeah, no. We... I think it's got to be conscription based. Like you pull a number, <laughs> and you got to do a year. <laughs> well, uh, look. I think they have a similar setup to that in certain parts of Thailand, and it's more based around providing for families. And I don't think right. that that. Yeah, I don't think that that's necessarily the way forward either. Like it's, it's weirdly. And and this isn't me saying this for me because it's certainly not. But it is still, I think, for some for for a, a large percent of the of the population, it almost the trans community almost fall into a taboo category. Yeah, which is which is a throwback from the fact that as a civilization we've been around for a very long time, and and changing genders and changing roles has always been a part of it. But it goes. You know, it goes in waves. So there's no quick fix for it. It's just, I think it's just shit that the cop leaked the photo and whatever he gets, he deserves, in my opinion, it was it was a low act and it wasn't something worth doing. You're right that uh, Dean Laidley also is not in the right in this situation, obviously. Mm. But it's, you know. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't... This is the reason we have courts. <laughs> yeah. To sort these issues out. Okay. Story number three. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, story number three. We're going to shift gears here. I want to get your opinion. I think that we have reached peak music concert from home. There's been another, there's been a new announcement. Uh, <laughs> I know, this hasn't um, hit you guys. This but... is a fairly severe change-up. Because <laughs> 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 Exotic to sorting out the trans community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To the... Anyway, look, I'm here for it. They're the big... So go on. You were the one who said you didn't want to do any research and choose the stories. <laughs> no, I'm here. I don't know what you want. I'm, I'm um, a happy passenger. No, I want to talk about all of these streaming at home concerts. I want to talk about the concerts from the living room. 
Um, there's been a, there have been two new things in that world. Uh, firstly, the Victorian government have teamed up with Mushroom Records and they've launched their brand new um, Victorian streaming service where us Victorians, and I guess everyone, in, I don't think it's just f- for Victorians. I don't know why the state government has done this, but we now have a, uh, a streaming concert that's going to happen every week and there's a bunch of other arts things that are going to be on there. It's called State of Music. Um mm. And now there are also uh, streamed music festivals. This is like a new thing that's that's uh, popping up. Where is it? One of them is called Live From Out There. It's a subscription-based mm. digital music festival. And, um, like, are we just over? Are you over? I just wanted to take a minute to just talk about, like, are we at peak digital music performance from a living room? This is this is a very see. I think this is a very cynical take from you, Tim. Okay, you don't agree with me. No, especially someone who has been a broke actor. Like I think this is. How can you ever say that we have reached peak level of giving money to arts in any way whatsoever? Like (laughs) I I get what you're saying as a consumer. You've got um, fantastic options. Uh, to not turn it on. It's this weird. I don't know if you've heard of it, but you don't have to consume it. Well, I haven't been turning them on, but I don't know who... Oh, good! I, I, I don't know who is turning them on. Are you watching these things? Did you, like, did you watch the uh, the Australian one that was, or the Lady Gaga one a couple of weeks ago? Did you watch either what of them? I, no. Well, okay. No, well, I wouldn't didn't. watch Lady Gaga anyway. No. But what I would say, here's the two things. What I have watched since this whole isolation thing has started mm. is I have a couple of friends who are um, uh, cover musicians. Mm. So the way they earn money is playing in pubs and they play cover sets. They earn half decent money and it's enough to fund their families. Obviously, this has totally taken that out of their pocket. So what a lot of them are doing is doing uh, Facebook Live concerts and then you can donate uh, via PayPal. You can send them some money. They put up a little PayPal That's a good idea. I like that, yeah. Yeah, and so I've watched a couple of those and it was a really weird experience that makes me feel like if I was 10 years younger, so if I was a 21-year-old, or a 23 or a 24-year-old and I was living in a share house, mm-hmm. I 100% think that I would engage in these bigger concerts. Because I found even listening to my friend who's just a covers musician mm. and him playing covers, I was standing in the house, I was standing up because I didn't want to sit down. Like it's a weird psyche thing. And I was listening to him play music and I was clapping at the end of songs. Were you really? All, yeah. 100%, just because I was so enthused to A, see him on my TV. Yeah. Which I know it sounds stupid, but no, it's kind of a fun, unique experience but, in itself. But no, no, I think that there's a line that you've missed here, though, which is, you know, this guy. And, yeah. and I, and I, I actually really like the idea of supporting artists who are your friends, but I'm overseeing Delta Goodrum in her living room singing Born to Try. Because if no, I, I get if, I get that, but when you're talking about artists like Triple J artists, mm. you can't tell me that there's not some share house in St Kilda, or West End in Brisbane, or Woolloomoo yeah. in Sydney that wouldn't be like chock full of MDMA watching DJs <laughs> perform sets and just raving their heads off till three in the morning, well, even like, though there's only three of them there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I'm not yeah. saying I would have been one, Tim. I'm not saying <laughs> I would have been one. I'm just saying you've got to look at the target audience. Or mum and dads who want to watch older Triple M audio, like 
all oh. the triple M yeah. artists, and they're going to have a cheese board and some wine and stuff like that. Do you think they're doing that? I don't think people are watching them. I just don't. My mum and dad would. I think my sister is have they? younger than me. I, I, ha, like, have oh, they said I to you? Mate, I I'm not sitting on my on their lap. No. They've told me they've put on some concert DVDs. Yeah. But it's also just a way of, the, like, if this is government's fund concerts anyway, so if this is a way for the Victorian government, what I would suggest is if you go look at that, I would say probably all the artists are Victorian artists. Well, yeah, they are. So, like, I, I actually like the idea of the smaller artists. There's one called Yeah Girl who's on the lineup um, for the Victorian government one. Um, and she's done some stuff with us in the radio. She's, I think she's from Castlemaine, which is just down the road from us here. I think that artists like that I'm into, but I think as a as a general concept, you I... tight jeans hipster flog. No, so what? James Rain doesn't need another private island. No, he D Flip doesn't need another Ferrari. That's what I'm Just saying. Just because they're He's... rich, Tim, they don't need money. They don't. <laughs> They don't. Firstly, because firstly, the sentence that you just said actually is completely true, and only the intonation that you used made it sound stupid. Yes, Nick. Just because they are rich means they don't need more money. That is exactly true. Okay. Rich but, people have bills too, and often they're higher than poor people bills because living rich is good. So you know, all I'm, of a sudden, James Ray isn't going to be making a spam Devon sandwich with. It, like caviar doesn't pay for itself, mate. I just think I, I'm I'm sick. Of, I I don't need the celebrities in my life right now. I I don't need all the concerts from home. If Lady Gaga wants to sing a song on her webcam, like if I want to hear Lady Gaga sing, I can watch it. I've got her on Spotify. She's already done things on YouTube that I can access. I'm not going to sit down and set my alarm and be like, oh, Sunday night, seven p.m. Time to watch Lady Gaga belt out. I don't know. Just down. I, I can't even think of a Lady Gaga song. I don't listen to it that much. But you could not sound more like some sort of incel alt male <laughs> white. I'm not paying for. You're the kind of person that doesn't pay to watch porn. <laughs> Wait, who does pay? Wait, do you pay to watch porn? Yeah, it's ethical. That's an ethical thing. You've been ethically sourcing your pornography. <laughs> I think I don't they make money off the ads or something? I don't know. Well, I don't I don't think that Sydney that made some bad decisions when she was an eighteen year old at the truck stop gets money from the ads on your whatever <laughs> website you're visiting. <laughs> <sighs> I might have got overboard there, I'm sorry. <laughs> I still love you. I know that you're just trying to make a point. <laughs> I, I think anybody <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll have to pencil in should you pay for porn. We'll pencil that in for episode. <laughs> I think, th <clears throat> all right, let's call it. There you go. Episode one of Off Air. We definitely said stuff that we couldn't say on air. Do you feel That's better? True. I had heaps of fun. It was lovely. I, I really enjoyed it. I always enjoy chatting with you. I, I like chatting with you as well. Um, If you are listening and you've made it this far, this is our first episode, so... um. We'd love to know what you think. Give us any feedback that you want. If you've got ideas for stories or um, or whatever, I don't know. Hit us up. You can find us. You're probably our friends, family, or work colleagues. So you've yeah. got us on Facebook or you have our actual phone numbers. Just come to our house and tell us what you think. <laughs> Once the pandemic's over. Yeah.